Matthew chapter number 6, as we're looking here at uh, the model prayer, and we looked Sunday afternoon at the uh, next phrase, which is, hallowed be thy name. And so we, we began with our prayers that the Lord is teaching us here, our Father, which acknowledges our place before Him, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We are to exalt Him. We are to hallow or, or make holy His name in our worship and our, our uh, praise to Him. And the next phrase we're going to look at is there in verse 10, Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Before we ever get to, to the petition part, before we ever get to, to what we are bringing before His throne, what we are seeking from Him, we are to acknowledge, first of all, our place to be there, our allowance that we are even allowed uh, to come before His throne as He is our Father. I, I heard this song today, and I love the song. The song's good. It, it's uh, uh, keep on praying, uh, keep on knocking on heaven's door is uh, one of the one of the lines there. And I, I got just I was listening to the song, and I'm just I don't need to knock on the the door's open. <laughs> Jesus is the door, and He's opened it wide for us to come into the presence of God. I don't I don't have to knock on the door. I've got Ready access to come in there before Him because He is my Father, our Father, which art in heaven. And then, hallowed be Thy name, we're, we're acknowledging His holiness, we're acknowledging who He is as God, lifting up His character, lifting up His person as we come before His throne. And then the very next line, Thy kingdom come. But when we ever get to our petitions, before we ever get to the things that we desire to see done in our life or the requests that we have for the prayer list that we've got laid before us. Before we ever get to those things, we are declaring the things of God first. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. That's, that's first. That's foremost. Uh, before we ever get to the things we want, before we ever get to the things even that we need, His kingdom is first. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Now it is disturbing for us today to see all of the wickedness that is in our world and the wickedness that is in our very nation, society today. Um, we would be hard pressed uh, to call us a Christian nation any longer. In fact, I, I don't think we can. I don't think that. I don't think that's a possibility given the, 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 the direction of our society today. Our nation has all but abandoned uh, its past Christian moorings, and whatever vestiges of Christianity that are left uh, have become weak and compromising, if not uh, even cultic and apostate. Uh, there's, there's not anything to it. There's not any truth in it. There's no... There's not even any, any love of God in it at all. Um, our legislature and our court systems are growing more and more anti-Christian. Materialism, uh, the breakdown of the family are epidemic. Abortions, even with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, abortions are being pushed all the more in our society today. 
sexual evils, drugs, crimes, all of these things are rampant in our society and in our world. And our, our leaders uh, are at a loss to know what to do uh, because there are no standards left to provide the controls for these problems. In fact, our leaders are uh, sadly are, are too often more concerned about how to enrich themselves than they are concerned at all about bringing righteousness to our nation. And we desire to see changes in our society. We desire to see these, these truths of God restored to our land. But as much as we desire to see these things, they cannot be our chief goal. They cannot be our chief goal. The Lord has given us one mission. And whether we are a democratic republic or whether we become a socialistic government or whether our nation becomes a communistic government, a dictatorship, whatever it may be, our mission remains the same. Our mission has not changed. It's the same one that we've had for 2,000 years and every child of God in every scenario that they have been put in for those last 2,000 years has had the exact same mission. Go ye therefore into all the world preaching the gospel. Preach it, he says, even to every creature in Mark chapter 16. Preaching that gospel, baptizing those that believe in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, as the Scripture declares to us. And then he goes on to say, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so our, our, that's Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 primarily. And, and those, that, that mission remains the same. We are to go forth teaching the gospel of Christ Jesus to this world. We're to go forth declaring that gospel. No matter what's going on in our society, no matter what's going on in our, our land, our government, no matter what's going on in our own lives, that mission is to be first. That is what we are given to do. Teach the gospel. Teach, teach Christ. And those that believe, we are to baptize them in, in the function of the church there as that was the commission given unto us as his church, and then continue to teach them, continue discipling them with those words of God that we are given to us. The mission is still the same. That is our work. That is what we are to be about. It is to be first. How do I know it's to be first? Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Because for everything else in our lives, that, that needs to be First for us. First. Doing that which brings forth. Doing that which is aligning ourselves with the kingdom of God. In John chapter 18 verse number 36. John 18 verse number 36. This is, of course, at our Lord's trial. 
this is the questioning that was brought before or brought to him by Pilate as he was standing before Pilate there. And Pilate speaks, he says, uh, verse 35, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus answered him, verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And so his kingdom, you see, was already in place. But he says, for right now, (laughs) it's not of this world. Right now, it's not here. Now, the reality is, it's coming. (laughs) It will be here. But for right now, it is still a spiritual kingdom. It's not here right now, but it's coming. Now, we belong to it as the children of God. We, we belong to that kingdom. We belong to exactly what he is declaring there in verse number 36. It is that spiritual kingdom that we belong to, but it's going to be a physical kingdom. And so he, he even makes that determination right there. Right now, right now, he says, it's not from here. But now is my kingdom not from him. But there's a time coming it will be. And it's exactly what we are praying for. Thy Kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. No human kingdom or society can ever merge with God's kingdom. Can't merge with God's kingdom. Even partially. Sinful man cannot be a part of the divine reign of Christ Jesus. We have to be made different. We have to be made different. That is why we cannot advance God's kingdom by trying to improve the morals and values of our society. Even if even if we could restore the Christian moorings of America again as it was from the beginning, we're, we're not merging it there with God's kingdom. You see. Because it cannot be, it cannot be meshed with His. His is perfect holiness. His is perfect righteousness, you see. So God and noble, or good I should say, and noble causes may be worthy of support by us as God's people, but they have no impact in helping usher in that earthly reign of Christ Jesus. There are those that believe we've got to get the world better. And we make the world better and we get it all, get it all situated and, and get everybody serving the Lord. And, and then once we do that, then, then the Lord can come. And we're just going to keep getting better and keep getting better and keep getting better until we get so good then, then he, we've made the way for Him to come. Mm-mm. That's not how that happens. That's not how that happens. We know that's not how that happens because how He comes. What does He come to? Does He come there in Revelation 19 where we're given that account of His return there physically to the earth? Are we given the account of peace and joy in the land waiting for His return? No. He's coming to warfare. 
He's coming to a world at war, and they're a world at war against Israel at that point. That's what he's coming back to, you see. So it's not, let's get it all better until we get it so good that Jesus can return. That's not how he's going to return. He's, he's going to retire. We're not going to get it better, first of all. That's, that's the reality. We're not, we're, not going to, we're not going to make the world ready for the return of Christ. Now, we should, we should be faithful to our mission. It should be our desire to see souls saved. It should be our desire to see members of our family. It should be our desire to see our nation revived again. That, what a blessing that would be. But that's not going to bring the kingdom of Christ Jesus any faster. It's also not going to slow it down if there's wickedness in the land. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. No human kingdom, no human kingdom will endure forever because built into it already are the sinful seeds of its own destruction. It will fall apart. If not from outward force, it'll fall apart from within itself because of the ravages of depravity that take place against the kingdoms of this world. We read in, in Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs chapter number 14, uh, Solomon uh, states here to his son, Proverbs 14, 14, verse number 34. He says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin, but sin is a reproach to any people. And guess what we're made up of? A bunch of sinners. And so it's built into the, the sinful seeds of destruction are built into the kingdoms of this world. While kingdoms of the world rise and fall, the gates of hell will not prevail against his churches. They will continue to go forth. They'll continue to do the work. Matthew 16, 18, that Lord gives that promise. Let me go just let me go over and read that verse just because it's a good verse to read. It's a good verse to keep in our minds uh, facing the turmoils of the world that we face. He said, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter Petros, and upon this rock, his Petra, speaking of himself there, not a Peter. Peter's a Petros, he's a little pebble. Jesus is speaking of himself. He is the Petra, the great cleft stone. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, death, shall not prevail against it. It'll continue on. It'll continue to do the work that Christ Jesus has established for us to do. It will not stop. Now, that is the reason that is our chief Goal. It is our mission that is given to us that we are to continue to go forward with the confidence that we can go forward with that mission, with that work that He has given us, knowing that the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. 
Be faithful. Witness of him. Thy kingdom come. I notice Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. I love Psalms chapter 2. Just because uh, David writes this wonderful psalm here about the depravity of the kingdoms of this world, the wickedness of these kings, and how they would dare think, how they would dare think that they would somehow stop God from doing what God is going to do. And he goes on over here, verse 6, down through verse number 8 here. We have his promise here that the Lord is going to take his kingdom. He's going to take his kingdom. Verse number 6, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Speaking of the Lord Jesus himself. Ask of me, And I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the utmost parts of the earth for thy possession. Now, we discussed this just a little bit Sunday. There in Matthew 4, Satan takes him up on that high mountain, shows him the kingdoms of the earth and says, look here, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of these kingdoms. Now, the reason Satan could do that is because he's the prince of power of the air. He has control at that time and, and right now even. He has that, I don't, I don't even like using control. He owns, I guess, the kingdoms of the world in that sense. that he, there, there are demonic forces coming out from him that are, are in those kingdoms. We see that example given to us, especially in... The book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, those those particular demon princes that are over those kingdoms and making sure it's going Satan's direction and his way. And that's evident in our world. We can see that in history. We can see that in the reality of the world that we live in today, that that's exactly how these things are trending. But now Satan goes and offers that to Jesus. If you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Now... This is what I was talking about. This is the reason it's so foolish for him to do this because Satan knows the Scripture better than we do. And he knows Psalm chapter 2. He knows Psalm chapter 2. Oh, he has control now. Let me see. He has, he has, he has that, he's the prince of the power of the air now. But Jesus is going to take it. And that is the promise of God that he is going to take it. Now, in a sense, I, the reason I'm hesitant to even say control or own, I, I'm hesitant to even say that <laughs> because of the reality is Jesus is already won. He's already the victor. He already has the keys of the kingdom of, of, of hell and the grave. He's, he's already gotten the, he, he, he's already won the victory, you see. 
But even before he won that victory, he's still God. You see. But as a matter of order, as a matter of order, he let this his purpose continue on in this. But there's a day coming, he's going to take his kingdom. He's going to take it. Let thy kingdom come. Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt, verse 9, he says, Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And then the warning, Be wise now therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Thy kingdom come. Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise, what's being declared to us here in, in chapter 2 here of Psalms. He is the fulfillment of the promise of this coming king, and he is inseparable from his kingdom. And it is the holy purpose of God to exalt Christ in the consummation of history when the Son at last rules and reigns in his kingdom. Go over to Matthew 6 and look with me in verse number 10. Once again, our text, thy kingdom come. It is to be our prayer. This is to be our priority. When we come to our Lord in prayer, after we, after we begin with our praise of his name and who he is and who we are before him, after we begin with that praise, the next thing, the priority for us, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. That's what we are praying for first. Thy kingdom come. We are to be preoccupied with the fulfillment of his kingdom. The problem is we're full of self. And our prayers are too often, as we've already discussed, are too often self-centered. It's all about what I want, what I need. Hurry up, Lord. Fix this. Take care of this. Give me this. I want this. This needs to be done. Uh, this person here. I've got this list here, Lord. Get, get all this done. Here you are. And that's, that's kind of how our prayers are. It's all, it's all about centered around us and what we want. And it is our responsibility, don't misunderstand, it is our responsibility to pray for one another. To lift one another up in prayer. That's the reason we got that prayer list. It is our responsibility to pray for our missionaries. It is our responsibility to pray for our families. It is our responsibility to pray for our nation and our states and our, and our, our governments that are in charge of these things. But in every case... 
Our prayers should be for God to accomplish His will in and through His people. Now, that's not to say we don't come with our, our desire in it. Because He tells us to do that. And we are to bring Him our desires in our prayer in our prayer request that we bring before Him. But, it, but even in our, our giving Him, Lord, this is what I'd like to see and this is what I'd like done, but nevertheless, Thy will be done. Thy will be done. That His people, that the Lord would accomplish His will in and through His people, that they would think, speak, and act in accordance with His will. The kingdom, our Lord's kingdom must be at the heart of our prayers. Thy kingdom come. Before we go busting in with our petitions, we need to stop long enough to consider Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Now as soon as we desire to live for Christ, as soon as we desire to put Him first, we run into a massive conflict. The greatest opposition to Christ's kingdom and the greatest opposition to Christian Living is the kingdom of this present world. And that's the one that Satan has dominion over right now. The next time you begin to resent the latest victory for the ungodly agenda in our country or in our world, consider the source. Consider where it's coming from. Satan's kingdom has always been in opposition to God's kingdom and God's people. And Satan will challenge our every effort to live for our king. He, he will come at us. The scriptures warn us of this over and over again that we are fighting. That's our fight. It's against these principalities and powers. We don't fight, he says in, in Ephesians 6, we don't fight against flesh and bone. It, it's, it's our flesh and blood. It is against these principalities and powers that we are fighting against those that belong with Satan. And, and he is crouched. He is ready to attack. He is lying in wait as that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Every effort that we put forth every effort that you strive to have in your life of living for Christ will be met with that opposition. That's why we cannot go into living for Him without holding on to Him. We have to have our Lord. We have to have His strength. We have to have His power constantly, every single day, 
in our lives. Revelation 20 and verse number 4. This kingdom that we are awaiting is not of this world, but it is coming to this world. Revelation 20 and verse number 4 says, I saw thrones, and they set upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now again, this is just a, we, we call this the millennial kingdom or the millennial reign of our Lord. And that is only because there is a, 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 a significant event of this great white throne judgment that takes place at the end of the thousand years. Jesus' reign does not stop after the thousand years. Okay, it's, it's called the millennial reign, but that don't mean that's when it stops. That don't, that's only a, a demarcation of time when this great white throne judgment is going to take place. He continues to reign. His reign is eternal. His reign is forever, you see. And so this, this is the reign, this is the kingdom that we are praying, thy kingdom come. It belongs to God. It doesn't belong to any earthly monarch. And as believers, we, we are need not even any longer a part of this world. We're still here. We're still in it. But we are not of it. We are in it, but we are not of it. We do not belong John chapter 17 and verse number 14, Jesus says here in his high priestly prayer. This is the Lord's prayer, by the way. Uh, Matthew 6 is the model prayer. This is the Lord's prayer, John 17. John 17, verse number This is Jesus praying for us. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We are made to this world in Christ Jesus. We are made pilgrims and strangers. In this place. Our conversation is now no longer a part of this, or at least it should not be a part of this world, but rather our conversation should be focused upon the things of heaven. I'm sorry, Philippians 3, verse number 20. Paul tells us this, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we're, we're no longer a part of this world. We now, we now belong to our, the kingdom of our Father. We now belong to that eternal realm. And so our conversation is to be about that. Not about this world. Not about the things of this world. But rather about 
eternity, about his kingdom. First Peter chapter 1 and verse number 17, Peter speaks to us here and declares that we are sojourners in this land. First Peter 1 verse 17, he says, If you call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. What's sojourning? We're traveling. We're passing through. Because we don't, be, we don't belong here. This is not our place. Oh, there's so many, so many of God's children that are hanging on so tight to this world and the remnants of this world, holding on so tight. They've got that white knuckled grip. Trying to hang on to what this world can give them. Trying to hang on to what they might gain from it. If they're a child of God, they don't even belong to it. Why are they hanging on to it? Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 10. One of my favorite verses here about Abraham. I love this passage. Love this, love this verse there, verse number 10. Abraham was called out of Ur the Chaldees, out of idolatry. God called him unto himself. Save this man. Abraham made a nation out of him by the promise that was given him. Give, gave him the land of Canaan, gave him that promised land, and sent him to go there. And Abraham takes his family... Uh, and they go and do exactly what God, he, he obeyed God, he followed exactly what God had told him to do, go to the land, take up his family, and go there. And he went there, and Abraham for his entire life owned all of that land. All of it belonged to him. And yet Abraham never stopped to settle on any part of it. He continued to wander around his entire life with his tents and his flocks, never settling, never stopping. Never building a city, never building a kingdom, never building a big house that he could overlook the pretty, the pretty sights. He, he never did any of those things. He continued to wander around his entire life, moving from place to place to place to place. We say, well, he was a nomadic person. He was, he, was, he was part of a nomadic tribe, and that's what nomads do. No, that's not why he was doing it. He was settled in Ur of the Chaldees. He was there in the city. Or the call days. But when God called him to himself, he changed his whole way of living. And continued to wander. He became a pilgrim in this strange land. And here in Hebrews 11 and verse number 10, Paul tells us why. And I love this. Well, let me read verse 9 as well. He says, by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. This is all he is. God given it to him, but he continued to move around. As in a strange country, he says, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him the same promise. They continued their own lives. Continued to move around. Continued in their tents with their flocks, going here to there. And why did they do it? Not because they were nomads. Not because that was their way of life. It became their way of life. But why did it become their way of life? Because they learned that from their daddies. Well, Isaac and Jacob did. Learned it from Abraham. But where did Abraham learn it? Abraham didn't learn it. He, that was his desire. 
that we find there in verse 10. I love verse 10. I love verse 10. Because he says, for he looked for a city (laughs) which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He looked for a city. None of the cities of the plain were good enough. He didn't go to any of them. Because he was looking for a city that had foundations, a real place. A real place that God had built. And that's what he was looking for. And it's the reason he never stopped. Because it had not yet come. Oh, but it's coming. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Earthly kingdoms are short-lived. Even the most notable, they still die out. But the kingdom of God is bigger than any nation. It's bigger than any society. It's been bigger than any political revolution. It's bigger than any any uh, uh, form of government that has ever been. It tells us in Matthew again, chapter 6, verse number 33. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33. This is one of our counterintuitives that we were speaking about Sunday. One of those things that hardly makes sense to our own minds when our Lord even here teaching it to us. How it works out. This is one of those. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You worry yourself. If you're going to worry about anything, you worry yourself with the kingdom of God. You worry yourself with that is what should be your concern. That's what you should be focused on. That's what you should be talking about. That is where you need to fix your heart and your mind. His kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things, everything else that you're worried about, Verse 31, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Why are you seeking for those? God knows you need those things. He's going to provide those things. You seek first His kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Thy kingdom come. Our Lord will descend after, I believe after the tribulation of the great tribulation of those days, our Lord will descend from heaven. He will step foot physically on the Mount of Olives 
And the Bible tells us there in Zechariah chapter 14, verse number 4, that mountain is going to split in twain when he stands there upon it. Let me tell you, it's going to be noticeable when he returns. Oh, it's going to be noticeable when he returns. We get to see it. Not because we'll be here looking for him, but because we're coming back with him. We are those armies of heaven returning with him in Revelation chapter 19. We're going to watch it. And we're coming as his armies. <laughs> we ain't going to do no fighting. Our captain does all the fighting. Our captain does all the fighting. He will take his throne. Thy kingdom come. He will come. He will destroy the armies of this world with the word of his mouth. Out of his mouth, Revelation 19 tells us, out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword. And it will destroy the armies of that world. In other words, what he speaks will be done. And it will destroy the armies of the world there before him. And he will rule this world. He will rule his kingdom with a rod of iron. Our prayer, our prayer each day should start with this, the fulfillment of this reign. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Let's all stay and we'll be dismissed tonight.